We continue this sermon series on knowing God. Of course, the theme this weekend is knowing our loving God. The Bible talks a lot about knowing God. Remember, we've talked about this now any number of times with our heads and our hearts, with our mind, our emotions, with our volition, right? As well as our relational capacity in our hearts. Uh, one example of knowing God comes from Paul's letter in 2 Corinthians. He pictures the Christian life as a joyful parade, a joyful parade, a triumphant procession. And through this procession, there's a fragrance, there's an odor, there's, there's a smell, but of course it's good. He goes on and he talks about this fragrance being a fragrance of life. But this is what Paul writes. Thanks be to God who in Christ always leads us in joyful procession, triumphal procession, triumphant because of the risen and reigning and returning Christ, right? And through us in this parade of the Christian life, God spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. Uh, that's God's goal for our lives, to, to spread a fragrance, right? A fragrance of life. So I said that's what Paul says it is, as he continues in 2 Corinthians chapter 2. The reverse of that is to show up in your family or where you work or in your church and stink things up, right? <laughs> Paul also talks about a fragrance of death, right? We know what that smells like when people are completely narcissistic and full of pride. And it's all about me. It's never about you. That just stinks things up. But the fragrance Paul is talking about is a fragrance of life, right? The more we know of God, right, the knowledge of him, the more God spreads through us and through us a fragrance of love and life. So that's why we're looking at these attributes of God so we can know him heart and head better so we exude a fragrance of freshness and joy and life. So far, we've looked at our all-knowing God, our all-powerful God. Last weekend, our good God. Of course, this weekend, our loving God. There, there's more to know, right? There's so much more to know. Our loving God. About 20 years or so ago, I was speaking with a man. And if I ever want to have kind of a shock on people that don't know me and I don't know them, I simply tell them I'm a pastor. That gets all kinds of responses, folks. It really does. Well, in this particular situation, the man said, a pastor? He said, I'm an atheist. I don't believe in God. I think he was trying to shock me, and he did. So I tried to stay calm and cool and collected, which is, many of you know, kind of hard for me to do sometimes. But I asked him the question. I said, tell me about the God you don't believe in. So, so he proceeded, this atheist proceeded to tell me about the God he, he didn't believe in. And after three or four minutes, just listing all of these characteristics of this God he doesn't believe in, he got done. And what essential key characteristic of God did he leave out? Well, you know, love. Love. 
I told the man, this was my shock pushing him back. I said, if that's the God you believe in, you don't believe in a God of love, I'm with you. I'm an atheist. That got his attention really fast. (laughs) God is love. That's what 1 John 4 verse 16 says. And many of you know that the the Greek word behind uh, this English word love in the New Testament is agape, right? You've heard that before, agape. In the Greek language, agape is the highest form of love. It's not God loving us with conditions and strings attached. Well, there's fine print. You know that, right? Agape means God loves us unconditionally. Uh, God didn't say, I love you if, or I love you when, or I love you because. God just says, I am love, and I love you. And Paul, in Ephesians chapter 3, wants us to see. Key word here today. We'll come back to it. See this agape love of God. Quite often we're blind to it. (laughs) We take it for granted. It's lost its freshness, its aliveness, its its surprise in our lives. So Paul says, I pray that you will see. You won't be blind to this. And then probably the most famous definition of God's love for us in Jesus in the Bible. How wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. Wide, long, high, deep. Those are four attributes to the love of God, so you can probably guess. This sermon has four points. The first would be wide. Wide. What does Paul mean by that? He means God's love is wide enough to include everyone. If you're a human being, and you are, you hear this, and there's a part of you that says, sure, God loves everyone, just not me. Because <laughs> I know me, not anyone, and really not everyone knows me. I know me, God can't love me. Well, here it is, again. Even in the Old Testament, Psalm 145, the Lord is loving toward all he has made. And we all know John 3.16, since we were knee-dyed a grasshopper. God so loved the world. In Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Jesus loves all sorts and conditions of people, right? Red and yellow, black and white, all are precious in his sight. The gathering demoniac, the guy that was possessed by legions of angels. Jesus loved him. The Samaritan woman at the well, she'd been married five times. Jesus loved her. The woman with the flow of blood for 12 years, Jairus' daughter, the penitent thief on the cross, the Roman centurion's servant, doubting Thomas, blind Bartimaeus, dead Lazarus. Jesus loves them all. God's love is wide enough to include everybody. We all struggle with insecurity, right? There's not a person on the planet that isn't absolutely secure. But because of these insecurities, we try and prop up our egos, right? By the cars we drive or the houses we live in or the job titles we have, the amount of money we have in the bank. 
None of that lasts. None of it lasts. God's love lasts. The love of God that is wide enough to include everybody. That's security. That, that's absolute, total, eternal security. I don't have to fake it anymore. I'm loved. Maybe you know this, maybe you don't. But if you die and you still owe the government money, they can auction off your property. That's exactly what happened to Madeline Murray O'Hare, right? You know that name, Madeline Murray O'Hare, the founder of a group called American Atheists. She owed the IRS back taxes years ago, so they auctioned off a lot of her private possessions. One of those possessions was her personal diary. It's a tragic diary. She says over and over again, would someone somewhere please love me? You've said that too, have you? I have. It's the cry of the human heart. At the core, right right at the core of who we are, we just want someone somewhere to love us. And isn't it tragic that Madeline Murray O'Hare, her entire adult life, fought against the idea that God loved her. What a waste of a life. Don't do that. God's love is wide enough to include everybody. That's Paul's prayer that we would see this, right? See how long, wide, high and deep is the love of God in Christ. So God's love is long enough to last forever. (laughs) Jeremiah 31.3. Through the prophet, God says, I have loved you. So just stop right there. You've heard this before, if you're a member of St. Michael, that in Hebrew, there's a singular you and a plural you. Now, you can't do that in English. If I say, I love you, I could be talking about just one of you or all of you. There's no differentiation. But in Hebrew, you can differentiate between singular you and plural you. Now, you can do that in English if you're from Texas, right, y'all? right? It's not good English. Or if you're from Denver, Colorado, like me, use guys. We get it, but it's not good English. In Hebrew, this is why it's such a superior language, you understand, you can differentiate between singular you and plural you. And what would this you be? Singular. We know God loves the world, God's love is wide enough to include everybody, but it's also personal. You. Isaiah 43, verse 1, God says, I've called you by name. That's singular, you too. I have loved you with an everlasting love. God's love is enough to last forever. There's a certain amount of people here, probably 40 and older, who will know the name I will invoke shortly. Gordon Lightfoot. Now, if you're under 40, you think Gordon Lightfoot is Chicago Cubs' second-rate pitcher, okay? Well, they're all second-rate pitchers for the Cubs, but I divert, okay? (laughs) I'm just glad that Lenny Kilmer still loves me. (laughs) Lenny is 
Miss Chicago Cubs. Well, Gordon Lightfoot doesn't play for the Cubs or Cardinals or anything. He's a singer, right? He sings one of the most tragic songs in the English language. You know that song. If you could read my mind, love. And you know those lyrics? I don't know where we went wrong, but the feeling's gone. I just can't get it back. How tragic. God will never say that to you. God will never say, the feeling's gone, I just can't get it back. His love is long enough to last forever. You, singular you, an everlasting love. We've lost the shock and the surprise and the freshness of all of this. It's amazing. His love is wide enough to include everybody, long enough to last forever. Since the year 2000, so much has changed, right? Uh, Think back just for a moment uh, to the year 2000. The, The Twin Towers still scraped the sky and downtown Manhattan. Mark Zuckerberg just got his driver's license. (laughs) And a little-known quarterback from the University of Michigan was chosen in the NFL draft by the New England Patriots as number 199, and he's still playing. His name, Tom Brady. So much has changed, right, since the year 2000. Uh, We use friend as a verb. (laughs) We don't memorize phone numbers anymore. Why memorize phone numbers? Some of us growing up, boy, you memorize all these phone numbers. Uh, A phrase, there's an app for that or take a selfie, that would have been just completely strange in the year 2000. So much has changed. Uh, But some stuff hasn't changed, right? Believe it or not, in the year 2000, I was preaching 35-minute sermons. And in 2019, folks, I'm still preaching 35-minute sermons. Some things just don't change. (laughs) Add to the list God's love. Right? Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. God's love is long enough, long enough (laughs) to last forever. Wide, long, Paul in Ephesians 3 next goes to the word high. God's love is high enough to be everywhere. Famous verse about God's love. Remember, agape love, unconditional, no strings attached, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation. We'll be able to separate us from the love of God. God's love isn't vague or abstract. It's always located in Jesus, right? In Christ Jesus, our Lord. Nothing can separate us from God's love. Isn't that security? No pain, no circumstance, no loss of job, no kind of bad diagnosis from a doctor. Not even death, not even death can separate us from the love of God. Paul talks about heights, though. Height, well, what's up with that? God's love is high enough, right, to be everywhere. There's no place where we can be relationally, financially, emotionally, where God's love isn't there. It's high enough to be everywhere. 
Every season, every change, every pain, every nightmare, God's love is there. This is a picture of Bangor, Maine Airport. Bangor, Maine is a community that only has 33,000 people in it. But it has an international airport with a runway that's over a mile long that the biggest planes in the world can land in Bangor, Maine. Well, what's up with that? Maybe you know Bangor, Maine would be the first plot of American soil as transatlantic flights cross the Atlantic Ocean some 2,500 miles. So if those planes are in distress, they're low on gas, they don't have to ditch in the ocean if they can just make it to Bangor, Maine. Any number of pilots will tell you that this has been the runway of salvation. If we can just make it to Bangor, we say, well, you know what it's like to be in the cockpit of life, and all of a sudden, you're running low on gas, you're running low on money, you're running low on self-esteem, you're running low on hope, and, and you feel like it, it, it's time to ditch it. You've got to just ditch it in the ocean. But before you do that, God's love is high enough to be everywhere. There's a runway for you. Really? Why not land there? Wide, right? Long, high, high enough to be everywhere. Of course, the last word Paul uses in Ephesians 3 is deep. A lot of human love is just shallow, right? Trite, superficial, fake, phony, fraudulent, right? But, but not the love, agape love that we're talking about here. It's deep enough to meet my needs. My needs when I'm <laughs> in deep stress or, or, or deep pain or, or deep guilt and shame. God's love is deep enough to meet my needs. This is a great verse. Moses writes in Deuteronomy, the eternal God is your refuge. Underneath you, see that underneath you would be the everlasting arms. So no matter what we've said or not said, thought or not thought, done or not done, whatever pit we're in, God's love is deeper still. Underneath you, say, well, I've hit rock bottom. Well, welcome to the human race. (laughs) But you're not at rock bottom Because at rock bottom, underneath you, are his everlasting arms. Why not fall into them? Let him embrace you, care for you. It's a famous Christian author named Corey Tenboom. Here's her book called The Hiding Place. Uh, You can see the German swastika in the upper left of the book, and maybe you can see the prison wires at the bottom of the book that tells you something about her story. 
Corey Ten Boom and her sister Betsy Ten Boom were believers in Jesus who lived in the Netherlands during World War II. And like many Christians, they tried to save Jews from Hitler's death camps. Corey and Betsy did that. But in 1943, you probably know the story, the Nazis found out they not only took the Jews to a concentration camp, they took Corey and Betsy Ten Boom to a concentration camp. Betsy Ten Boom died there. Before she died, Corey said to her sister Betsy, this place is the pit of hell. We can only imagine the atrocities, the horror, the nightmare. But, but Betsy, on her deathbed, pushed back against Corey and, and said, there is no place that is deeper, that God's love isn't deeper still. Underneath are the everlasting arms. So what do you have when you put together wide and long and high and deep? What shape do you get? You know, right? A cross. We really can't talk about God's love in the abstract completely, right? Wide, long, high, deep without finally going to the concrete. You heard our St. Michael members, every one of them, said something about sacrifice or the cross or the death of Jesus when they think about the love of God. There it is. <laughs> Wide, long, high, and deep. Paul famously, right, in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, says, this is how we know of God's love. That while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He took our shame and he knows our name. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, a famous Lutheran pastor in the 20th century, once wrote, a non-costly love from a non-holy God who accepts us just the way we are, that doesn't change anybody. So a non-costly love from a non-holy God It just accepts people the way they are. That doesn't change anybody. But the cross tells us that this is a costly love from a holy God, and he only accepts us because of the shed blood of Jesus. And that changes everything. Just ask a man named Corey Asbury. Last year, Corey Osbury wrote a song called The Reckless Love of God. The words to the song are printed in your worship folder if you want to take a look at that, you know, this week. Some of the lyrics include these words. He chases me down, fights till I'm found, leaves the 99, referring to the 99 sheep, to find me the black sheep. There's no mountain he won't climb up. There's no darkness he won't light up coming after me. There's no wall he won't kick down, no lie he won't throw down coming after me. It's reckless. It's amazing. And and we have a word for all of that. Agape. Agape. 
my oldest daughter, Abby, and her little brother, Jonathan, they raised chickens. Chickens. Chickens are not warm and fuzzy creatures, all right? Chickens are ornery and mean and nasty, and they're always kind of in a pecking, pouting mood. A few years ago, a company called Animal Lens decided to put red contact lenses in chickens. Now, (laughs) you've been warned, here comes a pun, but I think that's a cuckoo idea. (laughs) Contact lens for chickens, but Animal Lens, the, the CEO is named Randall Wise. Randall Wise figured out that with red contact lenses, chickens would actually be nice and kind and warm and fuzzy. It's see, all about how they see things. They see things differently, and for chickens, that changes everything. So we go back to our verses. I pray that you will see Open our eyes. Stop living with our eyes closed, right? See how wide, right? It includes everyone long and lasts forever high. There's no limit to where God's love is. And of course, deep, it meets all our needs. And when we see that again with new eyes, that changes everything. Every single time.